I gently laid my right hand on his flat stomach. Where is the pain? I asked him. If you can, point to where it is with just one finger. Jimmy's shaky right index finger positioned itself over the lower left side, just above the groin. I think you're right, Jimmy, I said. You haven't been for a while, have you? It was an easy diagnosis. He had about a week's worth of constipation in his gut, and being small and thin, he was bound to find that pretty painful. I straightened up and smiled at both children. We'll just help you a little, I said, and you can go home. Don't worry. I arranged for a gentle enema for Jimmy and a cup of hot tea and buns from the canteen for both of them, while Sister, in the background, tried to find out why their parents weren't with them. Dad was at work, and Mum had seven other children to look after. Jenny, the oldest, had taken the role of carer for the visit to hospital. They had come in by bus, straight from the doctor's surgery. I looked at the cigarette packet again. I took my biro from my white coat pocket, scored out append, and replaced it with constip. I wrote yours T. Smith underneath and gave it to the waiting hospital car driver. These two weren't going home by bus if I could help it. They would be driven in style after eating and drinking their fill. The driver would deliver the note to Dr. Patrick's surgery a few doors along from their home. Later, relaxing in the mess over coffee with other duty housemen, I brought up the subject of Dr. Patrick. His single-handed practice was famous, but not for the right reasons. For years now he had been sending in messages like this without the courtesy of phoning beforehand. He didn't seem to care when a consultant blasted him out for wasting the hospital's time, and no one could remember when the old guy had made a correct diagnosis. I wasn't sure about that. Obviously it was a big mistake to mix up constipation with appendicitis, and he hadn't even felt the child's abdomen. But Jimmy had needed our attention, so I was glad that Dr. Patrick had sent him in. Give him his due, he had served his time, some said more than forty years, in the poorest district of the city. He deserved brownie points for that. Manny Taylor, a long-time friend as a student, and now a fellow houseman, had been reading the notice board. Hey, Tom, he called across the room. You get Saturday off next week, don't you? Yes, I replied, but I have plans for it. Like sleeping all day, laughed Manu. With one day off every three weeks, we usually spent it catching up on lost sleep. What about doing a locum instead? Not in your life, I replied. Even if it's for Dr. Patrick, you could learn a lot for all of us. I walked over to the notice board. There was a tight request for a locum to cover his practice for a day from 9am to 9pm. It would involve a morning and evening surgery and calls between times. The typing wasn't great. There was plenty of evidence of erasures and smudges where errors had been corrected. These were the years before Tipex. The paper was cheap and so thin that there were spots where the force of the keys had made holes in it. It was signed by Mrs. Patrick in a hand nearly as shaky as the good doctors had been on the cigarette packet. My only experience in GP had been during training, but I had to start sometime, and in those days, once you had finished your first hospital year after qualifying, you could legitimately do any GP job you pleased. Two years into the profession, I felt I should surely be able to tackle the day in practice. I decided I needed to know this guy, so I stepped across to the outside line telephone and dialed the number on the letter. The following Saturday, I arrived by bus. I didn't yet have a car at the surgery doorstep. It was ten to nine. The front door of the three-storey red brick terrace house was still locked. 
A forlorn line of beaten-looking people were standing on the pavement, waiting patiently. I bid the queue a cheery good morning, and was greeted by a few half-hearted replies. I rang the bell. An elderly lady answered. She was thin, careworn, with grey hair tied neatly in a bun, and a deeply lined face. They weren't laughter lines. She had a cigarette hanging from her lower lip. I wondered how she managed to keep it there. Maybe it was stuck there by the smear of lipstick. "'And you will be the locum,' she said. The cigarette still hung there as she spoke. "'Please come in.' She glanced at the patients waiting out in the cold, ushered me inside, then shut the door behind me, leaving them there to deepen their impending hypothermia. I mattered, it appeared, but they didn't. She must have seen my concern. "'It's a practice rule,' she said, "'that the door doesn't open until nine sharp. "'If we don't keep them under a firm hand, "'we couldn't get through the day.' I'll let them in shortly after I've explained things to you.